morning. I'm Joe Schutz. I have the privilege of serving here as lead pastor at New Freedom Church, and we're so glad that you joined us today. This morning, we are starting part number two of a brand new series that we have on prayer. 2020 has been declared as the year of prayer here at our church. And long before the world focus was on COVID-19 or the coronavirus, we were putting together this series on prayer, and that's what I want to bring to you today. In this passage of scripture that I'm about to share with you, we see God's people right at the climax of a national calamity. It's no coincidence that our nation, in fact, the world, finds themselves facing a calamity. Really, it's a calamity of fear. And what we're talking about here today is prayer. I may just say this, it speaks to us something about preparedness. You see, months ago when we were putting this together, this was the exact verse and passage of scripture we were gonna use for today. And it talks about the preparedness that we have seen uh, in some people's lives, but the lack of preparedness in others. And here's what I wanna say, is that I believe God works through our preparedness, that the spirit of God can work through us putting the preparations together. I wanna be clear of something though, before we begin. And that is, there's one important difference. The calamity or the drought that God's people were experiencing in the text was caused by God. But in no way am I suggesting that COVID-19 was caused by God. Actually, it seems very unclear where it all came from or how it actually started. But I am confident of this one thing, that God can certainly use this calamity to cause people's hearts to incline to him. God can certainly use this to take this national and worldwide focus and put our attention upon our creator. Put our attention upon the only one that can truly bring peace, and that is Jesus Christ. We can anchor our souls in the promise of God's word, and that's what we must do as we point others to the cross. So prayer, let's talk about prayer. Prayer is not so much a code to be cracked or some kind of formula that we come up with to, to figure things out, or really, it's not even a matter of us trying to contort God to do something. Prayer is simply this. You ready? It's communication. Prayer is you communicating to God, you having an ongoing conversation every day. In fact, the Apostle Paul said he didn't even cease praying. He was always praying. And so prayer is this constant communication that we have with our maker, we have this constant dialogue that's ongoing all the time. And so prayer is one of many ways that we can express ourselves to God. And I believe that in prayer, we should invite the presence of God in all that we do. And that's what we're gonna do in this series. But let me first define for you effective because the title is effective prayer. Effective is this, successful in producing the desired or intended result. Now, if you're praying, if I'm praying, we don't want to just simply pray prayers that go up to heaven and fall down and they don't go anywhere. We want our prayers to be effective. We want our prayers to be effectual, to, to make a, a desired effect and result in our lives. And this happens as we come to God, we beseech God, and we have a, a, a way in which we can approach him in faith knowing that we are approved by him. We are accepted in the beloved, that he wants to do what we are asking him to do because it's his good pleasure that we would have the keys of the kingdom and we would be people of the kingdom doing his purpose and doing his plan. So where did this word effective come from in terms of prayer? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 5 verse 16. This is where it comes from. It says this, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and 
effective. So right there, we, we know the scripture tells us that there is a way to have effective prayer. And last week we talked about what that righteous person is, what it looks like, how that you become a righteous person. And it's not by any works that you can do. It's not by any goodness that you have. It's only by the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that you can be a righteous person. We talked about that last week. But in verse 17, it goes on and it gives us a little bit more insight into prayer. And here we see a person who was very well revered and, and very well acknowledged in the Old Testament scriptures named Elijah. It says Elijah was a man. Now I think we can stop right there and just say, okay, we're not talking about some super spiritual Bible hero. Elijah was just a man. Yes, he was a great prophet. Yes, he was well revered in the nation of Israel, but Elijah was just a man. And it goes on, it says, with a nature like ours. So he was so much like us. And I'm so glad that God put that out there, that Elijah was just a man with a nature like ours, because we can relate. We can't relate to people who are so super spiritual, that pray all the time, that all their prayers get answered exactly the way they pray them. Listen, not all of my prayers have ever got prayed, got answered the way I have prayed them. But I know this, that sometimes God says, go. Sometimes he says, slow. But other times God just flat out says, no. And I typically don't pray those no prayers. I don't pray uh, for a prayer to not be answered. I pray for a prayer to be answered and to be effective. But sometimes the best answer is no. And so if we are going to live out and walk out the mission of New Freedom Church, which is real people, real freedom, then we must understand that there are people like Elijah who we can relate to. And Elijah was a man that had nature just like ours. Real people have struggles. Real people have hurts. Real people go through things. They cry. They have depressed days. They have days that they're in the valley. Real people have joy. They have laughter. They have fun. And real freedom, it can sometimes look messy. It sometimes looks like you're on the mountain one day and you're in the valley the next. Real freedom isn't that you're always on a mountaintop. Real freedom means that whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the valley, I know that God has me. I know that God's got this. Whether I'm facing the calamity of a drought like they were in the nation of Israel years ago, or I'm facing the calamity of a virus that seems to be spreading worldwide, I can have faith and I can have confidence that my freedom is not founded in my feelings. My freedom is founded in my trust, and I trust in Jesus Christ. That is true freedom. So the Bible says that Elijah, he was a man. He had a nature just like ours. And look what it says he does. It says that he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. I don't know about you, but if God gave me an instruction and I was able to call a drought on the land for three and a half years, I would really feel like I was something. I would really feel like, wow, God answers my prayers. And Elijah was close to God. He, he was in this close connection and relationship with God. But for three and a half years, this one prayer sustained because God gave him this prayer. And look what else it says in verse 18. And he prayed again. So after three and a half years, he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So at the word of this one man, at the word of the prophet, it didn't rain. After three and a half years, the rain came at his word. Now we get this from the story in 1 Kings, which I'm going to go back to. I want to look at this story because here's what I want to tell you about effective prayer. You ready? Effective prayer does not have to be lengthy. Effective prayer does not have to be long. You don't have to belabor for hours and hours to have effective prayer. Sometimes the best prayer is a breath prayer. Have you ever prayed a breath prayer? A breath prayer is like this. Lord, help. Jesus, I need you. 
You may not have an hour to pray. You may not have 15 minutes to pray. When you're in the matter, uh, in, a, in, a, in a place of tragedy, when you're in the place of a, a, a pressing, a stressing, sometimes a breath prayer is all that you can get out. And in this case, Elijah, on the second time, he prayed a short prayer. In fact, this prayer was only 63 words. Get this, 63-word prayer. And I, I want to read this prayer. It's got at 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 36. It says, And it came to pass at that time of the offering and the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, and here's what he said, look, Lord God of Israel, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. That's very important. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord, that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Now listen, 63 word prayer. It is a very short prayer. But there are some aspects about this prayer that are very powerful. And the first one is this, is that he addressed God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Now, this is in contrast to all the other gods in the area, all the other gods in the region. And this time in Israel years ago, they were idol worshipers. And so they had a sun god and a moon god and a god for the stars. And uh, this rock could be a god and that mountain might be a god. And so when Elijah stood up to say, God... I want them to know this came from you. He addressed them as this is the God that is the one true God. There may be others that are little G-O-D God, they small God, but this is the one true and living God. And so this was the revelation he was bringing to them is not just any God. This is the God, the maker of heaven and earth. If you're going to listen and pray to any God, then you need to hear this today. Hear that this God is the true and living God. And the next part is he said this. He says, I am your servant. And, and saying that, that, that you're someone's servant means that you have surrendered your rights of yourself to that one. And I have a question for you today. Who are you serving or what are you serving? In other words, who do you belong to or what has your attention? What has your heart? He said, I am your servant. I do what you say to do. I belong to you, God. That's what Elijah is saying. And for the, the, those listening to me right now, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, who do you belong to? Who are you serving? What are you giving your allegiance to? Because that's your master. What you give your heart to, what you give your allegiance to, that's your master. And it's really tough serving the idols of this world. It's really tough to go to and fro in this land and try to find this to serve and that to serve when God has this place in your life, this God-shaped hole in your heart can only be filled with the love and the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only hope that we can find. And so he starts off and he says, let them know that this is the one and true living God and that I belong to that one, that I am calling down this rain today from the one true living God. And the next thing he says this, he says, I do this at your command. Here's what he's saying. My actions are at your command. Let them know why I'm doing this, God. I am doing it at your command. This harkens back to when Jesus was um, with his disciples and, and he would do certain things and they would ask him, why are you doing that, Jesus? Why, why did you spit in that dirt and make mud and put it in the blind man's eye? Why did you tell us to go down to the, 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 the shore and take the money out of the fish's mouth? Why did you tell us to do these things? And here's what Jesus said. This is very important. Jesus said, I do nothing 
unless I see my father do it. I say nothing unless I hear my father say it. Now, let me ask you, where did Jesus see the father do it? Where did Jesus ever hear that the father said something? Well, it's very simple. It was in his time of prayer. It was when Jesus would withdraw from the crowd, from the multitude, where he would get alone with the Father and he would hear the voice of his Father, where he would communicate and commune in prayer with the Father. You know, it would do a lot of us good over the next couple of weeks. We've got some time on our hands. Many of us are having to stay at home. Many of us are, are not going to the regular places and doing the regular activities. It would do a, us a lot of good if we would just withdraw ourselves for a time, turn off the phone, turn off the TV, and hear what our Father is saying to listen to the voice of God. You know, prayer isn't necessarily the words you pray or the things you say, but prayer is the attitude of your heart. And sometimes prayer, the best prayer, is simply to say nothing and just listen. Just calm your heart, steady your spirit before God and say this, Lord, your servant hears, would you speak? And here's what he said, is that I do nothing unless you command it. In other words, he is not operating in his own authority. He, he, said, he goes on in, in the next part of this 63-word prayer, and he says, that they may know that you, O God, are the Lord of Israel, that they may know you. You see, Elijah was not showing off. Elijah was not trying to get famous. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself to be the prophet that called down rain from heaven after a three-and-a-half-year drought. What he was doing, though, was he was saying, I want to acknowledge that you are the one that has delegated this authority to me. And I have taken this delegated authority, and I am now speaking as you have called me to speak. I pray, God, is what he's saying, that they may know that you are the one responsible for my actions, that you are the one that has given me the unction to do this, that you, God, have delegated authority to me. And you see, as a believer in Jesus, you and I have delegated authority. We have authority to speak something out of our mouths. And when we say those things, they're powerful. Our words are powerful. That the power of life and death are in our tongue. And so it's important, especially in times of calamity, especially in uneasy times, in uncertain times, it's so vital that we say the things that God says. That we don't say the things of this world that cause fear and trepidation, that put us into panic, that want us to just head for the hills and hide. It's important that we stand in the boldness whereby we have, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we take that delegated authority and we speak life and not death. We speak hope and not fear. We say that God has appointed us to a future. He has a plan for us and we're not going to end like this, that God has better for his people. Amen. We need to have that same kind of confidence that Elijah had. It is a delegated authority given to us by God. But I like the last part the most. In this last part, here's what he says. He says that you have turned their hearts back to you again. It's all God's doing. It's all God's work. And this whole three and a half year drought was for one purpose. We see it right here summarized in 1 Kings 18. He says the reason that there was this drought was for a sign and a wonder that would cause people's focus and attention to go back on the Most High God. They had gotten weary of serving God. They had gotten weary of worshiping God. They went to their own ways. They did their own thing. And he said, God, let this be a signpost. Let this be a directional pointing to you that their hearts would turn again to you. You see, this was God's divine purpose for Israel in this day. 
And Elijah spoke boldly as the prophet to call this, this rain to come back down and for a miracle to happen and for the heavens to open up. And it was all for the intended purpose of God's divine plan. Now, I said earlier, God didn't cause the coronavirus, but God can certainly use the attention that the world has put upon this calamity, upon this tragedy, upon this matter, upon this national emergency, and cause, again, people's hearts to turn to him. And I believe that's exactly what God wants to do through me and through you. God wants to use us as the signpost to point others to the real answer. There is only one place where they're going to get peace. It is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So God is going to use even this to turn hearts back to him again. And I want to close with this. There are really only two kinds of people who are listening today. There are those people who have said yes to Jesus. And there are those who maybe said yes at one time and wandered, or maybe they've never said yes at all. So if you're listening to me today and, and you've never, ever said yes to Jesus, but you find yourself in some fear, you find yourself with a lot of uncertainty, searching for answers, not knowing how that you're going to make it to the next day or to the next level. Maybe you're not even sure how you're going to be able to have enough means to get by for another couple of weeks. Listen, the answer is not in anything you can do. The answer is found only in God. And I believe that God wants to turn hearts to him even now, even right this moment. God wants to turn hearts to him. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do that with me in just a moment. Perhaps, perhaps there's some others that are listening to me right now. And at one time, you were close to God. You said yes to Christ. You, you had a, a glorious fellowship with the Lord, but it's been a while. You've drifted. You've not been praying. You don't feel close to God anymore. You, you just don't feel like you have that same kind of fervor that you once had for God. Well, listen, here's good news. This is the gospel, that God wants to turn your heart again to him. God is turning hearts even right now all throughout our land. And right now during this broadcast, God is turning hearts to him. And so it's very easy. We call it the ABCs of salvation. You first have to admit that you've tried and failed to fix the problems on your own. You cannot fix your own problems. That's A. B, you have to believe. Believe that what God did for us through Jesus on the cross was for you. You believe in his sacrificial death and his resurrection. You say, yes, I believe in that. And third, you commit. Commit your life to God today. It's as easy as A, B, C. You commit and say, I will follow Jesus. Come what may in this world, regardless of what happens in the economy, regardless of what happens on the external forces that are pressing on, on my household and my life, I commit my life to Jesus. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. God, today, I thank you for everyone who is listening. And for those who have drifted and are stray, that you would draw their hearts to you again. For those who have never said yes to you in the first place, that they would say yes today. And this is the prayer you pray. Dear God, save me a sinner. I repent of my sin. I turn to you now, and I will serve you all the days of my life as you show me how. In Jesus' name, amen.